Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Who are the biggest winners and losers from spring training? Let's find out. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. No Chris Towers on the show today. Scott, we made it, man. No more drafts left. And as much as I love drafting, I just, oh. I overdid it this year, man. Like, I've been <laughs> drafting since November. We've been mock drafting forever, it feels like, but... Wow, just a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. How do you like your podcast points league team, Scott? Oh, Frank, my podcast points league team. I finally did what I wanted to do all along in the podcast points league, and it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Oh, how exactly did it break down? Uh, I believe, I believe seven of my first eight picks were hitters. I believe pitchers. That pro- pitchers, sorry. Yes, seven, <laughs> seven of my first day picks were pitchers. Yes, um, that's right. I know the second hitter I drafted was Max Muncy. The first was Bo Bichette in round five. So I finally did what I wanted to do all along, and it's a good feeling. Um, you know, I said when I had a points league, I was coming around to the idea that in a points league I would just keep drafting pitchers till all the good ones are gone. I basically did that except when the value was just too outrageous to pass up, like Bichette in round five. I knew shortstop might be a difficult position to fill if you, if I did it on the cheap, and I felt lucky to get him at that point. So um, I feel really good about it. I feel like this is a way to go in a points league that's this, that's this shallow, 12 teams, only nine hitter spots to fill. I mean, there were outfielders like Dylan Carlson and Ian Happ going at the very end of the draft, and, you know... I've already got a lot of good hitters queued up that didn't even get drafted. So, and then I'm sure there's going to be plenty over the course of six months that we didn't even see coming. And I'll be living it up with my mountain of pitching, which, so I, I've gotten off to, like when this league first started, 2010, this league started. We've been doing the podcast listeners league for over 10 years now. I won four of the first six years, but now I'm in a five-year drought because the listeners got too smart they kept taking all the guys I wanted in the drafts. I'd be frustrated every year. Um, and I was worried they'd all take pitchers and I'd, you know, I'd end up having to settle for like Zach Plezak as my number three in a 12-team points league. But it didn't happen. My pitchers were Bieber in the first round, Luis Castillo in the second, Walker Bueller, surprisingly, in the third. It was between him, Maeda, or Woodruff. I went ahead and went with Bueller. Not sure about that, but... That's two drafts in a row now, Scott. You wound up with Walker I know both Walker of the podcast Bueller. leagues I got Bueller, so they kind of <laughs> the listeners kind of still uh, still back me into a corner with that. Um, but yeah, Bueller's my number three. My number four is um, Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks. My number five, Dylan Bundy. My number six, Jesus Lazardo. Number seven, Mike Soroka. I also have Framber Valdez waiting to go. And I also have Logan Webb I took with my second to last pick. Yeah, more on Logan Webb Webb a little bit later on. Of course, today we're not just going to talk about our podcast league teams, but we are going to talk about the biggest winners and losers from spring training. We have a bunch of news to get you up to date with. Dustin May is the Dodgers' fifth starter. We have a lot more there as well. Uh, We have category contributors, late round targets, specifically for Roto or Headset Categories Leagues. And we got some team name Tuesday, so we'll hit on all of those. Adam and I shared a team in this podcast league, and uh, I don't love it, so I'm just going to go out and blame Adam for that because, (laughs) like, why not? Uh, We had the eighth overall pick. Didn't want to reach on a starting pitcher there. 
we wound up taking Ronald Acuna. My first share of Ronald Acuna this entire draft season. So I'm actually pretty pleased. We had the option of Acuna or Fernando Tatis, and I don't have either one. So I, I was happy to take uh, one of one of those guys because honestly, they're awesome. Um, and I'm and yeah, I just I still think they're going to be really good in the points league format. Uh, but man, was really really hoping Scott for one of Nola or Giolito to make it back to us in the second round, and they both went with the two picks right before us in that second round. So we pulled Jack Flaherty up the board and we wind up with a pitching staff of Flaherty, Tyler Glass now, Charlie Morton, Aaron Savale, Corey Kluber. So it's not the best. We have some upside on the bench. Brady Singer, Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman, stashing Noah Syndergaard. So maybe we get him back late May, early June. See what happens there. But uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, Maybe we're even trade candidates for each other at some point this season, Scott, because I have a feeling that I might need some pitching at some point. Let's get into those biggest winners and losers from spring training, Scott, and you wrote an article about this. I will include that article in our podcast description so that you can follow along with everything that we're talking about. But who is among all the winners, Scott, your biggest winner from spring training? Well, it might be kind of a boring answer because it's not like it's not like he's somebody you can go pick up off the waiver wire. But I think the biggest winner is Shohei Otani. He's the guy who I moved up, who I became. My my opinion changed the most heading into spring training and coming out of spring training, where I, I, I basically didn't want to touch him. I thought, I, I thought, I thought he, he was shooting himself in the foot potentially uh, by continuing with this two-way thing. And we weren't going to see the best of either, much less of both. But he was just absurd. He was the best hitter of spring training. Uh, 571 with five home runs, two steals, and only 28 at-bats. The pitching stats aren't as good, but like he looked a lot better than he did last year, hitting triple digits on the radar gun. That splitter was diving all over the place. Uh, Definitely... Looks like he can get back to to doing on the mound what he did in 2018 before needing Tommy John surgery. Um, and you know the the biggest thing of all is it it sounds like Joe Madden is uh, interested in playing Otani a lot more than uh, than the Angels ever have before. They had such strict rules for when they could have him in the lineup, not the day he pitched, not the day before, not the day after. Uh, he'd only end up in, in the lineup half the time. So no matter how good he was at the plate, you didn't get to enjoy the full benefit of it, at least not in, at least not in weekly leagues, maybe in daily where you could move him in and out of the lineup. But that took a lot of attentiveness, obviously. With that, I'm, I'm not so sure he's not most valuable as a hitter. If it plays out the way we hoped... I think twice this spring, he actually was in the lineup on the day he pitched. I'm not sure if that's going to continue in the regular season, but that, that I think is a pretty strong indicator that, that Madden's serious about playing him, batting him a lot. So yeah, at least in Roto Leagues, I, I imagine I'm going to end up using Otani more as a hitter, maybe in points leagues more as a pitcher, but it's nice to have the other version as a backup in case one of them goes wrong, you know? Yeah, for sure. And we are recording this on Monday night and Otani is actually pitching as we are recording against the Los Angeles Dodgers and batting second in the lineup in the same game. So that's exactly what Scott's talking about so far tonight. He's 0 for 1, but this spring 16 for 29, five home runs and two steals for Shohei Otani. One of those home runs came off of Shane Bieber, the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner, straight away center field over the batter's eye. So Otani is just... Yeah, they were bombs. They weren't... Yeah. They weren't. These weren't Cactus League home runs. They were... A few of them were lefty on lefty, opposite field. Like, the guy is just legitimately talented. I will say, uh, so far, his pitching line against the Dodgers, uh, four walks in an inning in a third. That's the biggest bugaboo for Otani as the pitcher, is that sometimes... I mean, he has so much movement on his pitches that he can't command them, and, and he winds up walking a lot of guys, which... Um, it, it hampers his ability to go deep into starts. So uh, we'll pay attention there. I personally think that he's going to be more valuable as a hitter than a pitcher, but it is pretty awesome to have that luxury. Scott, what if I told you the ADP for Otani back in February in NFBC drafts was 216, right? Oh, gosh. Where would you guess that it is over the last two weeks for Shohei well, Otani? He's been, he's been shooting up draft boards. Um, I know in all our mocks and all our real drafts, he goes really high and like inside the top 100. So I'll guess in FBC, you'd think he'd, you think he'd be even higher. I'll I'll guess he's inside the top 100. 
No, he's not. Not that high, no. but still. I mean, the <laughs> fact that he's moved up, it's 143 over the past two weeks, but... It seems like a steal, man. From February, I mean, this guy's moved up 70 picks, so for sure. Yeah. One of the biggest winners from spring training. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I took him in my main event. Did you get him in your main event, too? Not in main event, no. Okay. I have I have the hitter version in Tout Wars. I have... I, I think I have him the dual version in some other big league. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think it is main event, actually. I think I do have him in main event. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Very excited about Shohei Otani. He'll actually be pitching on Sunday Night Baseball the first weekend of the season, so that'll be a lot of fun to watch him in prime time there. All right, Scott, biggest winner. Now we got to get your biggest loser from spring training. What do you think in there? Lahu Zahir, I think, uh, and, and it kind of became a... Of official today. I think the biggest loser is probably David Price. David Price, and we all presumed he would have a spot in the Dodgers rotation because he it's been a long time since he's been kind of in that swingman role. I'm not sure he ever really was in the swingman role. He originally came up as a reliever for the Rays to help with their World Series run in 2007, but um Pretty much a full-time starter in, in all the years since then. And uh, that's not how he's beginning this year for the Dodgers. They announced, actually, that Dustin May is going to have the fifth spot in the rotation to begin the season. I imagine to preserve all of their innings, they're going to kind of cycle through that spot and probably probably spell Julio Arias at times. Who knows what kind of injuries will be suffered by the top three in the Dodgers rotation. So I kind of, I kind of envision... May, Price, and Gonsolin all making between 15 to 20 starts, maybe 12 to 20 starts. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so quick to drop Price or Gonsolin, especially Gonsolin, in a, in a, in a five-by-five five league, especially, where they can still be of some value for ratios. Uh, since I do imagine they're going to be making starts at some point. But right now, if you could only choose one between the three, Dustin May is obviously the one you want. And I think the most droppable of the three is probably Price. Yeah, what a fall from grace, right? He was um, he was pretty good a couple of years back with the Boston Red Sox. He's yet to pitch with the Dodgers because David Price opted out last season due to COVID concerns, but he's back and he will start the season in the bullpen for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And speaking of those Dodgers, Scott, your boy, Corey Seager, Red hot in fuego just hit his eighth home run of the spring off of Shohei Otani. So Otani getting rocked around a little bit by the Dodgers right now in his final spring training tune-up. Before we get to the rest of the news and notes from Monday, just want to remind everyone about Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. This is our other podcast that we do. It's just five minutes, and it's basically a Spark Notes version of this podcast. So a lot of what we're going to talk about in season is going to pertain to what's going on in uh, in the for the games that night, so winners and losers, waiver wire, uh, worryometer, buy low, sell high, pitchers to stream for the next day, for the next week, so on and so forth. And we're going to do a lot of that on Fantasy Baseball Today and 5 as well. So you can listen to it every weekday, Monday through Friday, with Scott or Chris and myself hitting those really big news items. Uh, and that'll be in your feed in, in the morning, uh, again, every weekday. So make sure you download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. Again, that is Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. So spark Scott, notes, huh? Spark notes. It's been a while, you went man. spark notes there. Yeah, were you... opposed to cliff notes. Were you a big, were you a big spark, spark notes guy back in uh, high school or college? Played the fifth on that front. <laughs> I don't, played the fifth. I don't think any of your old teachers are watching, are they? Maybe. Uh, Probably not. <laughs> uh, Probably dude, not. I am, I will, uh, well, not gladly say, but I will openly say, uh, yeah, I frequented, I frequented <laughs> both websites very often when I was back in high school. Uh, all right, so some news and notes we already spoke about a little bit. Dustin May will be the Dodgers' fifth starter. I don't know if there's anything else to add here. Scott said David Price is the most droppable of the three between Price, Gonsolin, and Dustin May. The ADP for Dustin May is 204, according to Fantasy Pros, Scott. So, I mean, with this news, would you push him ahead of some names just ahead of him? Andrew Heaney? Marcus Stroman, would you rather have Dustin May than, than some of those pitchers? Heaney, yeah. I, I I think it'll be an upset if Heaney is a a steady contributor for you in fantasy. Stroman should be a steady contributor, though. You know, the whip will be kind of high. Certainly in a points league, I'd take Stroman over May. Probably the better cat, probably the better format for both is a points league, because neither is a big strikeout guy. 
but I'll slot I'll slot uh, I'll slot May in between those two. Stroman one, May two, Heaney three. Let's look at the Marlins rotation. This was pretty big news from Monday as well. Sixto Sanchez was optioned to the Marlins alternate training site. And hear me out here, Scott, but I think this might actually be a good thing for Sixto Sanchez's fantasy value because he got a late start to spring training due to COVID protocols and the Marlins don't need a fifth starter until the middle of April, right? So if Sixto Sanchez, who we knew was going to be on an innings limit anyway, 150, 160, whatever it's going to be this year, if he comes up by the middle, maybe even the late, uh, late April, he might not have any other workload concerns throughout the rest of the season. They might just let him go. Like we won't have to worry about it in September, whatever it might be. They might just let Sixto Sanchez pitch the rest of the season. So I'm kind of looking at this as a glass half full rather than glass half empty with Sixto Sanchez. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. I think some people are going to be like, why am I bothering with this bum? And they're going to cut him <laughs> loose. Uh, for and, and, you know, he might just sit in that league for two weeks or maybe maybe a, uh, a smart participant who listens to this podcast will, will go pick him up right away when that person drops him because I, I think you're right. I mean, they have four pitchers confirmed in their rotation right now. They just don't need a fifth starter until, uh, let's see, I'm looking at their schedule for the first 11 days. They, they won't need a fifth starter through those first 11 days, but I imagine at some point in April, they're going to need that spot filled. And, and like you said, uh, they, they might not need to shut down or, or pull back on Sanchez again. So, it, it stinks devoting a bench spot to a guy you know you're not going to use for a couple weeks, but it's, it's two weeks out of 27. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Have patience, please, with Sixto Sanchez. If anyone saw this and they're freaking out, they drop him, they panic drop him, go ahead and add Sixto Sanchez to your fantasy team. Both Trent Grisham and Austin Nola will begin the season on the IL for the San Diego Padres. So we are expecting Tommy Pham likely to man center field with jerks and Profar in left. Although Jorge Mateo was having a monster spring. I don't know if they're actually going to give him playing time, but man, he's looked really good for the Padres in spring. Uh, Victor Caratini likely to start at catcher for the Padres the first couple of weeks of the season. George Springer, of course, now with the Toronto Blue Jays. His status for opening day remains in question as he's dealing with a grade two oblique strain. And uh, we're getting close here, Springer. So we should know within the next couple of days whether or not he's going to start on the IL. I'm starting to think that he actually is going to start on the IL again. That is George Springer. Scott, Mike Soroka, your boy, you just drafted him, of course, from your hometown Atlanta Braves he is ninth round in re- points league he is returning from a ruptured Achilles and he will throw an inning or two in Tuesday's spring training debut so we know that he's not going to start the season in the Braves rotation but uh, he could be someone that joins them in mid to late April I actually got him last week 15 team roto salary cap draft I got him for four bucks so mm-hmm. especially in a league that deep I think I got him as my fifth or sixth starting pitcher Wait a few weeks. I have no problem. We get him for less than five bucks. Definitely about yeah. that when it comes to Mike Soroka. Another Mike. Yeah. Uh, uh, by ahead, the way, um, we I think we talked earlier when Kyle Wright got sent down that, oh, it looks like Bryce Wilson's the fifth starter. That is not confirmed. He's not going to be on the, in the, on the roster to begin the season. And the Braves are actually, they've already said they're going bullpen game the first time that fifth turn comes up. So... Uh, you know, obviously that's not a long-term plan. I, I'm, I'm thinking they're, they're thinking, you know, it, it, it could be really soon. Like we might see Mike Soroka start a game even before we see Sixto Sanchez start a game. Also, I don't know if this is in your notes, but pretty favorable report for Carlos Carrasco today too, uh, where, you know, it looked like the initial timetable for the torn hamstring was going to be six to eight weeks. He's already throwing. He's already throwing and they're, they're really excited about his progress so he might not miss as much time as originally expected either. I was tr- I was trying to grab him as my eighth starter. <laughs> it, was, it was a tough call between him and Soroka for number seven. Um, but I went Soroka since it seems like it's going to be sooner. Oh, man. No, that's a great note, too. I pr- probably should have picked him up for this uh, Team Fratum Fraser. That's what we called ourselves. But uh, Carrasco went in round 10 of this draft that we just did just after Corey Kluber and just ahead of James Paxton. So if you're wondering uh, where Carrasco went, 
You might want to pull him off the board a little bit more if you're feeling optimistic about this timeline. Mike Yastrzemski, he was hit by a pitch on his hand on Monday. X-rays were negative, so thank goodness there. Uh, a points league specialist for sure, or for anyone who plays in OBP leagues. Again, that's Mike Yastrzemski with the San Francisco Giants. Aaron Judge is dealing with a non-COVID-related illness and expects to be ready for opening day. Dansby Swanson was scratched from Monday's lineup with a tight calf. You hate to see it, especially with just two days to go before the season starts. So hopefully uh, we get Dansby Swanson back on the field. Jose LeClerc will undergo Tommy John surgery for the Texas Rangers. And it was reported last week that he was dealing with this elbow injury. And that's how we find ourselves adding the likes of Ian Kennedy and Matt Bush in deeper leagues uh, for potential saves in the Rangers bullpen. Matt Barnes, speaking of saves, was cleared to rejoin the Red Sox after his COVID test revealed a false positive. So we spoke about Adam Adovino a little bit on yesterday's pod, uh, but it seems like Matt Barnes is still the favorite for saves in uh, for the Red Sox. Time will tell there uh, if they use that Adovino or not, but I think it's going to be Barnes at least to start. Rugnet Odor, old friend. Not really. I guess he was a friend for someone, but he will not make <laughs> the Rangers opening day roster. And last but not least, David Bednar, who he's a reliever for the Pirates, and he has earned a spot in their bullpen and has been absolutely lights out this spring training. So I have speculated. I think he could work his way into the mix for saves, but it's really not a great situation. The Pirates are terrible, and it could be a committee approach. It could be Bednar, Richard Rodriguez. Kyle Crick has looked pretty good in the spring as well. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Bednar, he's looked really good thus far. Who else has looked really good in the spring, Scott? You brought up Shohei Otani as your biggest winner. And Josh Bell, you also have as one of your winners here. And he is leading um, the Nationals this spring. Well, among their qualified hitters, um, Ryan Zimmerman actually has an, a higher OPS. But Josh Bell, 13-28 OPS this spring, 18 for 47, five doubles, six homers. The only problem here is I mentioned a name. Ryan Zimmerman has also been amazing. He's 13 for 27 with six home runs. Um, Josh Bell's a winner. I agree with you. We needed to see him bounce back after last year's terrible season. But are you worried at all about Ryan Zimmerman eating into his playing time? A little. I mean, that's the only that's the only negative thing you could say about Josh Bell is that Ryan Zimmerman's been even better. I, I think the worst that'll come of that is maybe Bell will sit against tougher lefties. He has not been as good against lefties in his career. And I don't think it'll be all lefties. I think it'll just be tougher lefties. And I think uh, I think overall overwhelmingly positive for Bell. I've been much more enthusiastic about taking him as my starting first baseman. I did in uh, in this draft we did today. Yeah, I mean, he hit eight home runs last year and just looked completely lost at the plate. He has six this spring and has been one of the most productive hitters of all spring training. Doesn't necessarily mean that uh, hitting coach Kevin Long figured out what was wrong with his swing, but they said they had a plan when they acquired him, and um, it's it's certainly easier to make the case when he's doing this than than it would be if he was struggling still. Yeah, and I'm happy you brought up the name Kevin Long, too, because he has been regarded as one of the better hitting coaches in the MLB, and, and he's kind of helped some guys turn their careers around. So, uh, yeah, they were talking about it being a, a mechanical adjustment or a timing issue for Josh Bell. So, so far, it looks like it, it's been working out for him. Hopefully, Ryan Zimmerman doesn't eat into that playing time too much. We actually got an email from uh, Yuton Tang earlier today, and he had a trade question regarding Josh Bell. He said, would you guys trade Fran Mill Reyes or Alex Verdugo away for Josh Bell? Did not say what league format, Scott. So would you do either of those, Reyes or Verdugo for Josh Bell? I do both. I do both. Um, Which one would you rather give? Honestly, I know I know you guys are big on Verdugo, but I don't... Uh, unless unless batting average is a major concern for you, I'd, I'd get rid of him before I gave up Fran Mill. Or, or unless you, had, you felt like you had a a crunch at that utility spot since that's the only place Reyes is eligible. He tends to go later than Verdugo for that reason. But, um, you know, just, just looking at what I expect the stats to be, I'd rather have Reyes than Verdugo, but I'd give up either for Bell. Uh, another winner from spring training, Scott, we talk about this guy seemingly every day, but Andrew Vaughn, let's mention the name, uh, one of the top prospects for the Chicago White Sox, former third overall pick back in 2019. And he is, flying up the rankings. He's up to 120th for Chris, 154th for Scott as of now. And it seems like 
he's going to be the starting left fielder, I guess, with Eloy Jimenez going down and expected to miss, yeah. you know, the next five or six months. So uh, Vaughn, uh, you know, with having not just first base eligibility, outfield eligibility, it seems like he's going to be on the opening day roster. So for all those reasons, he is one of your big winners, Scott. Yeah, and apparently they did try him in left field. I think it was at the alternate training site last year. So it wasn't, they didn't just throw him out there out of nowhere, which makes me feel a little better. Yeah, Chris has gone all in. Both of the podcast league drafts, I think he took him in round nine and both. One was a 16-teamer, so it may have even been earlier than round nine. I don't know, but he he pushed all his chips in on Vaughn here he the took final him, week. He took him in round 12 in, uh, in Monday Night's Draft. Okay, that was at and for a sixteen teamer, that's actually not so bad. But he took him in round nine tonight, right? In a no, twelve no. teamer. So he did it in round twelve in the twelve team league on Monday, and it might have been round nine in the sixteen team league. Okay, yeah. All right, sorry. Yeah, but the point is, earlier than I was even thinking about Vaughn, he he had to have him, and that's that's fine. I I, I think he took Vaughn before I took Bell. No, that might not. Be. Never mind. I don't think that's true. But he took Vaughn pretty early. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, he took him just before Yoan Moncada. He took him just before Gio Urshela, Alec Bohm, Dominic Smith. So those were some of the hitters going in the same yeah. range as Vaughn. I did want to point out, speaking of Andrew Vaughn gaining outfield eligibility, uh, someone emailed in earlier today and asked about which hitters are going to gain position eligibility early in the season. And it seems like, to me, the biggest names, A. Eugenio Suarez will likely gain shortstop eligibility. Mike Moustakis, third base. Jonathan India will gain second base. So a lot of moving parts with the Reds. Uh, Keston Hero will become first base eligible. Marcus Semien will gain second base eligibility. Jorge Polanco, second base eligibility as well. Ahmed Rosario will gain outfield eligibility. And uh, potentially J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler gaining outfield eligibility early in the season. As of now, they're only util only on the CBS site. Scott, I know you didn't have Victor Robles as one of your biggest winners in the spring, but I just wanted to give him some love because he's been hitting leadoff every game, and, and obviously they want to make that a thing. And he's done nothing but impress to this point. So there was a, a really good feature written in The Athletic about how he was trying to hit for too much power last year and, and trying to be a player that he just frankly isn't. So... He's responded 16 for 54 this spring, six doubles, three homers, five steals for Victor Robles. And and if he can keep that up throughout the course of the season and hit leadoff, just easy, easy profit for Victor Robles this season for anyone who's drafted him thus far. How about Domingo Herman? He made his last start on Monday and his final spring line for the Yankees, 13 innings pitched, two earned runs, 17 strikeouts to just one walk. The ADP is up to 225 the last two weeks for Domingo Herman Scott. What do you think about that price tag? Is is that a right? I think he went in like the eighth round of this draft that we did on Monday, which is just a little, yeah. a little too now early. Somebody, somebody had to have him. The sixth round. The sixth round. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wait, um, hold on a second. Did you say, oh, oh my goodness? Oh, my good, goodness gracious. <laughs> that's that's Domingo Herman in the sixth round for you. Yeah, that's no, right. I mean... That's one of those picks where no matter how excited you are about a player, like you see that and you're just like, all right, <laughs> take him. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited about Domingo Herman. Uh, I, I I liked him as a pitcher before the suspension. You know, he was an 18 game winner in 2019, and so the the main thing I liked about him is all three of his pitches: uh, the fastball, the changeup, the curveball. They all had like a, a quality swinging strike rate, each of them. And you just don't see that very often. None was like an elite pitch on its own, but they were all good for swings and misses. And he's gotten plenty of swings and misses this spring. Certainly looks like he hasn't lost anything in his time away and uh, obviously has all the benefits of the Yankees supporting cast. It's a pretty big deal. So I like Domingo Herman as like, you know, in a league where I don't go seven starting pitchers with my first nine picks, I'm thinking Herman could be like my number seven, my number eight, something like that. That's mm-hmm. what I like him. And I was watching the Yankee game on Monday, and they announced the rotation for the season. You know, Jamison Tyone's going to start a little bit further in, but Domingo Herman's going to be the third starter for this Yankees team. So, uh, yeah, especially if you're playing just the first weekend, 
he will actually get a start on Sunday because the Yankees only play three games this upcoming weekend. Josh Rojas with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He leads all hitters with uh, in plate appearances so far this spring. 70 thus far. I think it's actually at-bats. 70 at-bats. 24 hits with four home runs. And back in 2019, in the minor leagues, Josh Rojas hit 332 with 23 home runs and 33 steals. So I'm not saying he's going to come close to those numbers, but Scott, there is serious power speed potential for Rojas, who expects to be the starting second baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, my understanding is his inclusion, because he was in the Astros uh, minor league system for for most of those numbers, and his inclusion in the Zach Greinke deal was what kind of made it happen. Uh, so Diamondbacks have been excited about Josh Rojas for a while. Did nothing his first two years, you know, brief appearances in 2019 and 2020, but basically did nothing. Those numbers are high-popping, though. Um, and, you know, you recognize that uh, it, it's the minor leagues and, and all of that, and I think it was some hitter-friendly places, but he, uh, you know, we were talking about when Cole Calhoun went down with an injury early on that maybe it was an opportunity for Dalton Varsho to win a spot in the Diamondbacks outfield but instead, it was Josh Rojas coming in and bumping Cattell Marte to the outfield, it seems like. Rojas himself going to be starting at second base. And we'll see. I mean, he made some changes to his swing. He made some changes to, like, his diet and his sleeping habits, too. Like, really seemed committed to, uh, to, to making the most of this baseball opportunity after kind of just rolling with the punches those first two years. He's looked really good this spring, so we'll see. Again, that is Josh Rojas with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's talk about another potential starting second baseman in the National League, Jonathan India, who has played pretty much third base his entire minor league career, and uh, the Reds just ignored the shortstop position this offseason. Now they find themselves throwing Eugenio Suarez back at shortstop. He hasn't played there since, I believe, it was 2018 putting Mike Moustakas back at third base, and Jonathan India has been playing second base. Scott, do you expect him to remain there and actually start the season with the Reds on opening day? And if so, what are you expecting from him? Yeah, that's my expectation. I don't know that it would have made sense for them to to commit to Suarez at shortstop. Otherwise, I suppose they could play the service time game with India, but it would probably be a, a pretty pretty naked example of it because we'd see India like pretty much as early uh, for him to still uh, secure that extra year of control. I I like India a lot. I think he's, I think he probably profiles better in real life or in like a sim league, maybe even a, like a points league than he would as a roto player because I don't expect like a huge number of home runs um, or a huge number of steals. I think the main thing India does well is get on base. But could he break through as a 20 to 25 homer guy? I think it's possible. Could he add 10 to 15 steals? I think it's possible. I think that's all within the realm of possibility. And, and obviously, if he meets that kind of that best case scenario, he's going to be somebody you start in all leagues. So, you know, mostly I'm thinking deeper leagues are where I'm investing in India right now, but keeping an eye on him in all formats because an interesting player. Well, I'm just looking at Otani's line because we were updating people earlier on it. Final line against the Dodgers, two and a third, four hits, seven earned, five walks, three strikeouts, three home runs allowed for Shohei Otani. So awesome as a hitter. And he's got, look, he's got talent as a pitcher. There's no doubt. He throws, you know, nearly a hundred miles per hour. Yeah. He has all this movement and stuff, but man, command can still be an issue for one Shohei, Shohei Otani. So uh, I, I again, I'm just going to go back to what I think more upside as a hitter than as a pitcher for Otani. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you're you're. I don't want to write him off as a hitter, especially based on spring training. You, you mean, know, because this is. Yeah. <laughs> gosh, why do I keep saying the reverse of what I mean? Um, yeah, as a pit, I don't want to write him off as a pitcher, and like it's just it's important to keep it in mind. We make. We talk a lot about spring statistics because we need something to talk about. And, and certainly for players on the fringes, it makes sense. But like I've, I've done this long enough to know that 
somebody looks like he's totally stinking up the place in spring. And then when the regular season started, it's just like it flips like a switch. And mm-hmm. of course, nobody remembers the bad spring anymore when he goes out there and dominates. I understand Otani, the pitcher, has questions to answer. So, you know, it, we're paying close attention to the spring stats. But like, don't be so quick to write him off as a pitcher just because this last start went so poorly. The stuff has looked really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I didn't, I didn't mean to come off that way for him, but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, specifically for someone like Chris Paddock or Zach Plesac, who have just been not so great in the spring. I hope they could just flip that switch. But uh, yeah, Otani, it's he's got some rust to shake off here because obviously he has not pitched in in quite a while. Um, and of course, we just put him under a microscope because he is a very polarizing player. Scott, let's uh, pair these two starting pitchers together and. Someone that I, I continuously see you drafting is Logan Webb, who has been named the Giants' third starting pitcher in their rotation so far in the spring. 17 innings pitched, one earned run, 22 strikeouts. And Carlos Rodon, someone I'm pretty excited about, is the fifth starter for the White Sox. And 13 and two-thirds so far this spring, two earned runs. But the biggest, the biggest takeaway for Rodon, 16 strikeouts to one walk. That is just phenomenal to see for Rodon. So, Scott, tell me about both Webb and Rodon, and uh, which one do you like more? I like them both, obviously. I have them in my spring training winners here. But of all the all the pitchers who've kind of come on late and you know are, are likely available on the waiver wire and, and leagues where I was drafting early on, the one I'm putting in the biggest bid for is Logan Webb. I've I've actually always kind of liked Logan Webb, which I know sounds funny because he's like, it's it's such a nothing name. I, I imagine most people listening haven't even heard of Logan Webb before, but a little bit we've seen of him in the majors. The strikeouts were decent for somebody who got ground balls at the rate he did. But what's really put him over the top this spring is um, apparently the giant the Giants hammered home to him this offseason, you know, you really need to work on your secondary stuff, locating your secondary stuff. And he shows up after working on that and his changeup is just playing like this elite pitch. Kurt Casale, who's a catcher in Giants camp, uh, not sure if he's going to be the backup catcher on at the start of the year. But, you know, formerly with the Reds, he's caught Luis Castillo before. He compared it, he's compared the Logan Webb's changeup this spring to to Luis Castillo's changeup, and Luis Castillo's changeup is like the gold standard of changeups. So, you know, maybe he's talking up his teammate, maybe he's exaggerating a little bit, but he's not the only one who's been raving about Webb's changeup, and and obviously you see the results this spring, kind of back it up. Yep. Again, Logan Webb with the Giants and uh, Carlos Rodon with the Chicago White Sox. For those in deeper leagues, or you know, even if you play in a points league and, and you're looking for an end of your bench kind of upside. Starting pitcher, I think either one of those fit that mold. It's got a few names in deeper leagues. Let's stick with it here. Akil Badu. I, I, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, but outfielder for the Detroit Tigers has been mashing this spring. Five home runs, four steals, and he will be in the starting outfield for, for the Detroit Tigers. And you didn't have this gentleman on your list, but uh, I looked him up earlier, and, and I think you put a few bids on him yesterday. You mentioned Josh Fuentes, with the Colorado Rockies, he's 19 for 57 this spring, eight doubles, only one home run. But it seems like he might start at third base for the Rockies. And I mean, anyone who has a starting job in Coors Field is kind of interesting. So what do you think about those two in just deeper leagues? Yeah. Yeah, I would say in deeper leagues, Fuentes makes sense. I really don't think he profiles as a starter, even at Coors Field. I don't think he's going to be a big power source for a corner infielder even at Coors Field, but you know, the, the, the BABIP inflation that happens there could make him useful for the time he's a starter. But Badu, I'm more interested in, and you know, who knows what, where it goes from here, but he was the m- most productive hitter for the Tigers, one of the most productive hitters in all of spring training. Uh, power, speed, and he showed a lot, a lot of on-base ability in the minors, lower minors, granted, but that's continued to 10 walks in his 47 plate appearances, a 468 on base percentage compared to just 12 strikeouts. So like he looked really good all around 22 years old. He's a rule five pick from the twins. So he's only played in the lower minors and wasn't that good there, but you know, 
a year away from the game, who knows what kind of strides he's made. He's obviously looked really good this spring, and I don't think it's clear he's going to be an everyday player. Uh, they've only promised him a roster spot, but th- they say he's going to start some, and Tiger's lineup, I mean, if, if Badu continues to perform like he has this spring, then obviously that's, a, that's an easy path to at-bats. So I've mostly just been picking him up in like 15-team, five outfielder leagues, but and not planning on starting him right away because I want to see what the playing time looks like. I want to see how this goes. But definitely uh, some intriguing upside there. Yeah, again, the names. Akil Badu of the Detroit Tigers. He's an outfielder. Josh Fuentes could be the starting third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. Before we get to some losers, just want to thank everybody again who is watching us live on YouTube. Just a reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't. That's youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Hit that red subscribe button. Then there's going to be a little bell. You hit that and it will let you know every time we go live here with the podcast. And just a reminder that starting Thursday... And basically for the rest of the season, we are going to be doing these podcasts uh, later, at least Monday through Thursday. Sunday, we could probably get started a little bit earlier, but um, I would imagine Monday through Thursday, we're going to go live between somewhere like 11.30 p.m. and midnight Eastern time. So uh, if you are on the East Coast, it's going to be a little bit tougher to watch us live. Of course, you could still listen and watch everything on demand. Uh, But if you're on the West Coast... It's fine for you. You should be perfectly fine. And just some upcoming programming uh, schedule notes. We're going to go back to five podcasts per week. If there's anything emergency related that we have to talk about, anything crazy pops up, I'm sure we'll hit that throughout the day. I just wanted to give a a shout out to Danny Vietti and Will Middlebrooks, who for the past three, four months, basically this entire offseason, have been providing content in our Fantasy Baseball Today feed, and, and they were fantastic. They're not fantasy guys, but they gave great insights just on the game of baseball. Obviously, Middlebrooks being a former baseball player and Danny Vietti just very plugged in on everything that's going on in the baseball world. So uh, thanks to them for all the the great content that they provided. And they really had some awesome guests. So uh, that was that was really cool. Speaking of shout outs, happy birthday to Steve Reeves, who is an avid listener. He's turning 70 years old. Someone emailed in and uh, asked if we can get that shout out in there. So shout out to Steve Reeves, 70, still kicking strong and um, an avid listener to Fantasy Baseball today. So we really do appreciate the support of you and every one of our listeners out there. If you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we have Zers here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so we already spoke about one Los Angeles Dodger being a loser, and that was David Price. Will Smith's got catcher there. There was a report last week that he will hopefully start 90 games for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, you know, maybe it's just coach speak. Maybe there's nothing to it at all, and, and maybe... We look back on this report and say it was absolutely foolish to believe it. But as of now, given everything we know about the Dodgers, I think we kind of do have to believe it. Well, it it certainly seems like people are because he went from being at times the number two catcher drafted. Uh, I I had him seventh all along because I had concerns about his playing time, but it seems like that's that's what everybody else has moved him down to as well. You know, you, you rarely see him go 
if, at least in the drafts I've done since this was announced, I don't think I've seen him go as a top five catcher, much less top two. I, I don't know that I believe it's going to be as few as 90 starts for Will Smith myself. I, I saw, that was a quote from Dave Roberts. I saw a different quote when I was reading into it more where he said 110. But either way, it's Will Smith is going to sit more often than the average starting catcher. And, and the Dodgers history would suggest that. Anyway, that's why that's why I was a skeptic all along. So I, I think he's probably being drafted more appropriately now, but obviously the balloon has lost some helium. The balloon has lost some helium for one Will Smith, the catcher for the Dodgers, not the closer for the Atlanta Braves. Let's look at the last two weeks ADP over at the NFBC, and Will Smith is still going at pick 105 as the third catcher off the board over the past two weeks. Of course, NFB does shoot for upside a little bit more, and we know Will Smith has a ton of that. Another player who has upside, someone we were pretty excited about, Scott, was Alex Kirilov, prospect for the Minnesota Twins, but he will start the season at their alternate site. He will not begin with the Twins on opening day. So are you expecting him to, is this like a mid-April, late-April kind of thing, or are we just kind of playing it by ear based on how he performs at the alternate site? I think he's going to be up sooner than not. I think they wouldn't have not, the Twins wouldn't have non-tendered. I suspect they wouldn't have non-tendered Eddie Rosario if they didn't think Alex Kirilov was ready. Remember, they called Kirilov up for their playoff series last year uh, and put him in the lineup for one of those games. So they, they think he's ready. He just happened to go four for 31 this spring. And how do you how do you take that guy with you? You know, that's... It's always better to to debut the guy when he's on a roll, I feel like. Um, so I think that's what they're waiting for, for Kirilov. They want to see him. Obviously, minor leagues aren't going to start for the first month, so it's it's going to be, I guess, alternate training site. But it, I, I think it's kind of up to Kirilov when we see Kirilov. Mm-hmm. And- uh, he is, at last check, and I haven't added... Uh, since the last two drafts, both of the podcast league drafts, obviously I didn't take Kirilov in those. I took Bieber as my first rounder in both of those, so I don't know, maybe Bieber's the the player I'm most invested in. But what I was going to say is I think Kirilov is the single player I'm most invested in. And it's a lot of deeper leagues where I'm not inclined to drop him. But obviously I have a lot riding on this, and uh, I I hope it ends up being sooner than later. (laughs) Uh, It's worth noting, again, we don't want to put too much stock into what's happening in the spring, but Alex Kirilov, while he was with the Twins, just four for 31, one home run. That homer came off of a lefty. I remember watching that live, uh, but winds up batting just 129 with a 440 OPS in the spring for Alex Kirilov. A few other names you have is loser Scott. AJ Puck, who had an opportunity to be in the Oakland A's starting rotation. It doesn't sound like that will be the case. I don't know that they've named Dalton Jeffries their fifth starter, but it seems like it's trending that way. And the other name is Ha Seung Kim, the uh, Korean player who came over, Korean infielder slash outfielder. They're going to try to work him into the outfield, uh, who was awesome in Korea. There was some hype around him, but now there's playing time issues there. So between Puck yeah, and, and Ha Seung Kim, what do you, what are you worry about? He hasn't gotten an extra base hit yet, which... It's not uncommon when players from Japan or Korea are coming over and, you know, pitchers tend to throw harder, the ball's a little bigger, um, a slow adjustment period. It's not uncommon, but, like, the Padres have so many alternatives that I I just don't see how... with, With him doing so little this spring, I just don't see how they're going to be able to justify putting him in the lineup that much is really my main concern. Now, for what it's worth, they're still saying they're confident he still has a spot. They still plan to play him. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I, I have not wanted anything, any part of Kim really based on the way his spring has gone. And, again, a lot of it has to do with the alternatives they have in San Diego. Again, you can find all of Scott's winners and losers on the site. That's cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. And the... Link to that article will be in the podcast description as well as our YouTube description. Uh, Some late round category contributors, I just wanted to run through some of these and I posted an article a few months back, it's got to be now, 
Um, just highlighting players going outside the top 200 who can help you in each category. And some of them overlap into other categories as well. But, you know, if you are doing a roto or a head-to-head category draft and you notice, okay, you know, I'm light on steals or I'm light on, on power later on in the draft and, you, and you're trying to find players that specifically fit those needs, then these are some of the guys that you can look at in your draft. So again, being drafted outside the top 280p, Scott, I mean, if there's anyone that you want to talk about, just feel free to jump in or attack, go, yell at me, stop me, do whatever you want. Uh, but specifically for batting average, I had David Fletcher, Rymel Tapia, who might lead off for the Colorado Rockies, uh, and Jorge Polanco. Those three names make sense for batting average, Scott? They do make sense. I think those are three good picks. All right. All right. So far, we're good. Home runs and RBI, these are players that can... I mean, typically, these are tied together every time you hit a home run. You do get a run scored in RBI as well. Christian Walker for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Austin Riley with the Braves. CJ Crone with the Colorado Rockies. Jock Peterson now with the Cubs. Bobby Dahlbeck with the Red Sox, who has just hit a ton of home runs this spring. And uh, Paul DeYoung with the St. Louis Cardinals, expected to bat in the middle of their order. Fourth or fifth, he's going to be somewhere there uh, for Paul DeYoung. Those are, if you need home runs in RBI, Run scored, Andrew wait, McCutcheon. Wait, wait, I want to add a couple names. I want sure. to add a couple names to that list. My favorite, very late target, you know, probably a five outfield of the league it would have to be for home runs is Hunter Renfro. I think he hits the ball in the air a lot. He pulls it a lot. And, you know, right-hand hitter at Fenway Park, I think that's a good combination. I think he's has a shot at being like a 40-homer guy if they play him enough. And Justin Upton, who's looked... Much healthier. He's had a very productive spring after a couple of injury-plagued years and actually came on strong over the final 20 games last year as well. I don't think Justin Upton's done, and I would consider him a good late target for home runs. Justin Upton this spring, 14 for 41 with four home runs and four doubles for the... And two stolen bases. Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, two steals as well. I mean, he's going to hit in the middle, presumably, Mm -hmm. of a... a Pretty strong lineup, assuming everyone stays healthy with Otani and Trout and Rendon. I'd say a strong lineup, yeah. <laughs> and, dude, actually, fun fact, like, Justin Upton, when I first started getting into fantasy, it was, the first year I played was 2009, and that was um, my senior year of high school, so I'm showing my age a little bit here. But That, that was a breakout year. Yeah. That was basically, yeah, so, like, I was breaking into fantasy the same year that Justin <laughs> Upton was breaking out, and so it was just, like, Really awesome to watch that happen. Same thing with McCutcheon. He was like coming up right around that time. And um, yeah, so those two I've been closely tied together with my entire fantasy career. I've just loved watching them, you know, obviously mature now, but uh, go from like late round picks to first rounders and and then obviously now in the the twilights of their career. But So your fantasy playing career... Like as a player, right? Somebody mm-hmm. who plays fantasy. That that was beginning like right about the same time my my fantasy writing career began. Yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, run scored. Speaking of the devil, Andrew McCutcheon. He's not actually the devil. He's awesome. I love him. Um, he is probably going to lead off for the Philadelphia Phillies, and um, obviously still has a very high walk rate, high OBP. He's going to score a lot of runs in that Phillies lineup, assuming that he stays healthy. Colton Wong, someone who I, I believe can also give you 15 to 20 steals, potentially leading off for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's done so a lot so far this spring. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, no, he's not playing catcher anymore. Unless you play on Yahoo, he still has catcher eligibility there. But he is going to play, I believe it's shortstop, shortstop for the Texas Rangers, and uh, he is leading off for them so far this spring. Another one that can give you... 15 to 20 steals potentially there. Brandon Nimmo leading off for the Mets. He's going to score a lot of runs. High OBP guy. Cesar Hernandez, very boring. He's a very boring player. I realize that. But he's going to lead off for the Cleveland Indians, most likely. Was that runs you were doing just now? Not not steals, right? Yep, that was runs. Okay. Uh, steals, speaking of which, already mentioned Colton Wong and Kiner Falefa. Nick Senzel, I think, also going to give you some home runs. Maybe he gives you a 15 to 20 of each home runs and steals. Leody Tavares, the Texas Rangers, they love to run. They are um, a lot like the San Diego Padres. Well, the Padres are a lot like the Rangers because uh, Jace Tingler actually came from the Rangers coaching staff. But uh, the Rangers lead all of baseball the past two seasons in stolen bases. So if Leody Tavares gets a shot to play every day, he is going to run. 
Miles Straw with the Houston Astros, and Christian Pache of the Atlanta Braves, who I think could steal maybe 15 bases for, uh, again, the Atlanta Braves. On the pitch, you mentioned Miles Straw, right? Yep. Manuel Margot of the Rays. Margot is a good one. To that list. Yep. Uh, you said Leody Tavares, right? Sorry, I was having trouble keeping up. <laughs> yep, Leody Tavares. John Birdie. Birdie's a John good one Birdie. too. Yep. He doesn't. He doesn't have a job all to himself, but he'll play all over and and like he will run whenever he's in the lineup. <laughs> his, his stolen base pace, uh, his stolen base rate, I guess, is really high. Especially so, uh, once Noah Syndergaard returns too, Scott. I, I think there was one game where he stole like four bases. It was when Noah Syndergaard was on the mound. Syndergaard is so <laughs> bad at holding people on. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, and I, I would add Sam Hilliard to the mix. Like He has a job for the Rockies. He's going to start at least two-thirds of the time, I would bet. And he didn't hit well this spring, but he, he did run. He did run and, and has a history of doing that in the minors. Awesome. Yeah, Sam Hilliard, uh, if you play in five outfielder leagues, he's someone I've been... Yeah, just in deeper formats, taking on my bench. Just, I mean, anyone that has a starting job with the Rockies in deeper leagues, you always want to have them on your radar. On the pitching and Michael, side... Michael Taylor, he was one of my big risers of spring training, too, and I think still has 20-20 potential, reworked his swing this year, cut down on the leg kick, showed, looked much more composed at the plate for the Royals. And the Royals are another team that also lets their guys run. Whit Merrifield mm-hmm. and Adalberto yep. Mondesi, of course, have run a ton over the past couple of years. On the pitching side, Scott, it's really hard to predict wins, of course, uh, but we know that they are correlated with going deep into starts. And obviously on teams that have good run support, it helps, and, and having a strong bullpen. But these were some names. They're very boring names, but they are <laughs> veteran-type pitchers who I believe are going to go pretty deep into their starts consistently. Adam Wainwright. Brad Keller and Mike Miner with the Royals, Zach Davies with the Cubs, and Taiwan Walker with the New York Mets. For ERA and whip, um, and I, I think some of these swingman pitchers that Chris has been talking about, I think you know these are, these are some of the, the players that we're looking at here. Tony Gonsolin, David Price could potentially, uh, you know, if they have multi-inning relief appearances or even if they're used as... Um, a follower for, for someone like Dustin May, four innings of each, whatever it might be. Gonsolin and Price, Alex Reyes with the St. Louis Cardinals, Freddie Peralta, who will be in the starting rotation, at least for the beginning of the season for the Milwaukee Brewers, TJ Antone, who will start in the bullpen for the Cincinnati Reds. He could be used for multiple innings. You yeah, like you I, I feel like this exercise is harder to do with starting pitchers because it's yep. kind of just like they break, like late round breakout candidates. Are- sure probably going to break out across the board, you know? Yep. So, you know, I would put Logan Webb in there as an ERA whip sleeper, Dalton Jeffries, especially given his minor league walk rate. Brady Singer is is someone that I've really gravitated towards this spring training, Scott. Um, and I keep drafting him everywhere. So uh, I really like what I've seen. And they, they've talked up him using his changeup more. I know last year down the stretch, he uh, his final four starts, he was really good exclusively throwing his fastball and slider. So if he has a, yeah. a third pitch that he could lean on in that changeup, then hopefully that can help someone like Brady Singer. Uh, mm-hmm. Another uh, Two other relievers I wanted to mention that might be used in this swingman kind of role for the White Sox, Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet. Strikeouts. This is a lot like what Scott was just saying about the other pitchers, where if they're going to break out, they're likely going to be good at strikeouts. But specifically, Domingo Herman, Robbie Ray, Yusei Kikuchi, Trevor Rogers, who we haven't talked much about. Yep. And yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about him. And Griffin Canning. So those were five that I singled out in terms of uh, strikeouts there. And saves. I mean, good luck, Scott. I mean, <laughs> this is the end of your draft. The, the late round sleepers you're taking for saves anyway. It's Greg Holland, Matt Barnes, Daniel Bard, Joaquin Soria, Anthony Bass, Tanner Scott potentially with the Orioles. Uh, Ian Kennedy or Matt Bush, whoever winds up being the closer for the Rangers. It's whoever is a late round potential save source, Emilio Pagan, uh, another name there. David Bednar. <laughs> we'll see, man. David Bednar. Into like Bednar. Um, and there's, yeah, might be Kyle Crick, but I don't, yeah. think, the, I don't think the Pirates are going to win many games anyway. Yeah, so I wanted to mention Trevor Rogers had an awesome spring and and they're prioritizing him in their rotation. I would think they'd want to preserve his innings too, but... Um, there he's got the fourth spot. Well, we assume six, Sixto Sanchez has the fifth spot. 29 strikeouts in 19 innings this spring for Trevor Rogers. Uh, the fastball and changeup both showed a high whiff rate last year in the seven starts we saw him make. 
he was kind of hittable at times, kind of vulnerable to the long ball. And um, it wasn't like he was an elite prospect coming up, but if he plays, if he, he figures out how to optimize those two pitches off of each other and maybe mixes in a decent breaker as well, um, I, I could see Trevor Rogers really just blowing away expectations in a way you more often see among fringe pitcher prospects than you do among fringe hitter prospects. And the thing he's probably been best at so far in his minor league career has been strikeouts. 235 in 209 innings pitched for Trevor Rogers. Again, he is in the Marlins rotation. Let's wrap up with a little team name Tuesday, and these come from Brendan, whose sole, sole goal is to get a reaction from you, Scott. So Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hard. I'm difficult to impress. Which is why Adam didn't like my reaction to seeing Save it, Saving Private Ryan for the first time the other day. I was oh. just like, that's good. I don't know that he needs to see it again. Man, you're not going to let that go. Scott did not uh, like that. Well, I, he, he got so offended and I didn't mean it as an... Like, I, I can understand why he took offense to that reaction, but I didn't mean it as offense. Like, I acknowledged it was good. It's very long. Life is short. You know... Some parts were hard to sit through the like the stabbing scene, you know, that's going to stick with me forever. Uh, just how slowly that played out. But, you know, it was a good movie. Of course, it was a good movie. What, Scott, do, you want, what do you want me to say? I haven't even seen it. Yeah, so. okay. Look out for that stabbing scene. All right. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, I'm only I don't know how many, how many years, 20, 20, a lot of people die late. in it. So, you know, sure. Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, so these Team Name Tuesdays are from uh, Brendan. First one, Fawn Me Now, our May Apparel. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't follow. There, how many names were in there? Uh, Vaughn Me Now, our May Apparel. So that looks like Andrew Vaughn and Dustin May. Oh, just two? Yeah, that's from... Oof, that seems like you're going way out of your way for that. It's like a religious way out of your way. Christmas song, right? What is that? I forgot what that is. Um, <laughs> Hark the no. Hark the Herald. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. No, 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 Hark no, the no, Herald, no, the no, angels no. sing. No, 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 it's not that. No. Okay. Well, if you figure it out, let me know. Uh, this next one deck is the, it's deck the halls. Deck the halls. There you go. Yeah. Um, Mitch, don't will my mize. I don't know what that's a reference to. <laughs> that is from uh, hip hop artist Kendrick Lamar has a song okay. which uh, I cannot repeat the name of, but that's actually pretty good. <laughs> There you, I mean, that's kind of a reaction from Scott, so that's not good. Uh, Lux be a Brady tonight. Okay. These are pretty good. Kinda, uh, I kind of like that. Yeah. I like I, these. Uh, yeah, Brady, I assume, is singer. Yeah. Uh, yeah I kind of like that. Maybe it's a hybrid, uh, some Tom Brady love there. Mitch better have my Mally. This is another. I, this, I, I um. This is another hip hop song, Scott. That I okay. uh, I cannot repeat. I, I can I can kind of. Yeah, I don't know the song, but I can kind of see what some of those names are supposed to be. Uh, I'm gonna write it in our in our private chat so you can uh, so you can read that and, and maybe react to it in real time. Uh, and his favorite, Vaughn in sixto seconds. Okay, I like that. That works. All right, it's pretty good. Those are pretty those good. Are pretty those, good ones. Yeah. Those are from- I, you know, it's it's not often I like. Anywhere you force in multiple, even just two names, just kind of really interrupts the flow of what you're going for. But I think that Vaughn in six to seconds, I think that works. <laughs> All right, this last one's from James in Tallahassee. He says, I finally came up with a clever team name on my own, one that satisfies my old man need for wordplay and slightly less obvious Simpsons references. So, Scott, if you are not a Simpsons guy, neither of us are going to understand this. I like old Simpsons. All right. He says, pretty sure this is a 12 out of 10. He says, Darno, money down. <laughs> Adam would get the reference. I'm sorry. I emailed it to Darno Adam today. Money. I don't think he, well, I don't, yeah, he never responded to me. So much for being a teammate, right? I mean, that's, n- that's <laughs> no money down, as I assume the expression. I don't remember. Darno money down. Yeah, I don't remember what that's referring to with the Simpsons. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if, for our Simpsons listeners out there, watchers, viewers, uh, I'm sure you, you love that one. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.